You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Hey, everybody. Little housekeeping before we get started. Just wanted to say so, so sorry for the late episode this week. It was crazy scheduling during the holiday. Like, I got displaced in time and was reliving all these crazy moments. It was like a whole thing. Um, But... Uh, The time travel is done now, and yeah, we can get back to our regularly scheduled upload (laughs) speed, I suppose, whatever that regular upload speed is. But before we get started, I just wanted to say that this episode is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. Uh, You know, as we are looking forward to the new year, it's important to treat yourself. So go check out Fred's website to get access to all sorts of amazing goodies that you can't find in regular stores. Uh, In order to place an order, go ahead and email Fred using the email in the description below. And if you include No Love Lost in the subject line, you'll get 20% off your order. So don't delay. Go to fredsbs.com and pick out some delicious baked goods for yourself today. And if you're looking for other ways to support us, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network, where you can buy No Love Lost merchandise, such as No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. So again, guys, I just hope whatever you celebrate, you had a wonderful holiday season and that the new year 2020 treats you very, very well. I hope it has nothing but good things in store for you. And guys, you know, whatever your level of support, whether you guys support us by helping our sponsors or going to the website and buying merchandise, or if you just leave a comment or talk to us on Twitter, it really doesn't matter. You are what keeps this podcast going. You are our constant. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. Now, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears there was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something supposing anybody may know there are times we hang our heads in sadness we know there's no love lost We had to go back. I don't want to go back, Will. I just want to call my mom and go home. Oh, that's heartbreaking. (laughs) Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down the hit television Mm. series uh, by the great Damon Lindelof. Lost. Debatable. Um, Everybody saw that Watchmen. They're telling you it's. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that when it comes to a one season show, Lindelof is great. <laughs> um, I'm Will Lincoln. With me as always, Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we are talking about season two, episode twenty-two for the road. That's freaking mean. That's such a mean title. This whole episode is mean, and I'm really mad. <laughs> Uh, apparently, it not just comes from uh, the fact that two people are dead. <laughs> two people who also got into some shenanigans on the roads of Hawaii. Hmm. But um, it also has to do with 
an idea that I guess was cut from the final thing. Really? Which uh, Christian Shepherd says at the bar, he always has two drinks, two for the road. One for the money, two for the road. Interesting. So, but that's not in there. Interesting that we missed that. Huh. There's another... I wonder if the reason for that was the controversy leading up to this episode. I wonder if that was... uh, If they cut that line deliberately. The controversy being that Michelle Rodriguez and Cynthia Watros were... uh, Both got DUIs while working on this series. Yeah. A lot of people on the show got DUIs. Yeah, but theirs in particular was pretty public. And... um, it's interesting. Like normally, we we often speculate about stuff that goes on behind the scenes or what may or may not have been happening in the writers' room. We should probably point out that that a good chunk of that is just speculation. Yeah. And with an instance like this, especially when the showrunners through throughout the entire run of the show would often lie to like throw people off what they were actually doing or whether they were lying because they were making it up as they were going on is up for debate, and I uh, think it's lies pretty evident a, that it was. Lies a strong word. But anyway, when it comes to stuff like that, where so much of the show was kept close to the chest, again, whether that's because they were just trying to keep the mysteries a secret or because they were making it up as they go along, it's irrelevant. The A lot of what actually went on behind the scenes of the show is stuff that... Sadly, we'll never know the truth of because there are conflicting reports from different writers and from the executive producers themselves and from the talent. So when it comes to something like this, where it's a very much a real-world controversy and a thing where a lot of rumors were going around at the time, it is kind of hard to parse out the truth here of what actually went into this episode. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the end of this episode and and we talk about like what real world things were may or may not have been involved in that decision but again you're gonna have to take it with a grain of salt because at the end of the day we don't we just don't know um we weren't there so we can speculate and give our two cents but at the end of the day it's just going to be our opinion and i hope you guys are cool with that (laughs) well look i mean Narrative. There, there's some. There's some. Well, let's just say something about it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We spoil everything on the series. Yeah, but, we're gonna spoil but, everything about Lost. But um, narratively, Anne Lucia's death. It's not. It doesn't not make sense. Let's put it that way. Like I understand the death makes a lot of sense where her story's at. And also with, uh, uh, we have to show Michael doing something that shows he's now doing, he's going to extremes, even killing people who are his friends. No, the, as, as much as I like her and as much as I am in the minority of people who are in Anna Lucia's corner, I also agree. I think her death, at the time though shocking, ultimately makes sense and contextually speaking and for the purposes of the narrative I think it's pretty satisfying and fulfilling it's Libby that doesn't make any sense and here's and and this is where we'll when we get to the when we get to it I have some thoughts about why things panned out the way they did 
and why that doesn't sit right with me personally. So that, again, but again, this is all just opinion-based. We weren't there. I think working on the show would have been a dream job, but, like, we weren't there. So ultimately, all we can do is speculate. Oh, so now you want to work for Damon Lindelof. Is that what you said? I would love to work on a show in Hawaii, is what I was saying. I would, that seems like a nightmare to me, <laughs> to work on a show in Hawaii. I think just living in Hawaii sounds like a dream. I, I think, don't have to work on a show. I could just live in Hawaii. I think living in Hawaii sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Why is that? Because of the humidity? Nah, I mean, I could deal with humidity. It's are you tr- Wait, Will, are you trying to say that being on an island would be the worst possible thing for you? It would be pretty bad. <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want to be on an island. I don't want to be trapped. I don't want to be I You'd want, never I, get to see the new movies. That I want to get Yeah, no that's movies, a big problem. No movies, no baseball. They make a big point about that at the beginning of season 3, no baseball on the island. There's no baseball on the island. <laughs> Um, well, this episode is written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Christina M. Kim, who have written a lot of great episodes, including the season's uh, The Hunting Party, yeah. which is a yeah. fan favorite, and uh, it's directed by Paul Edwards, and it is an Anna Lucia <coughs> special, so let's dive into her flashback, which, unlike most flashbacks, this one picks up immediately where we her leave last off, yeah. flashback left off. Like yeah. the, literally the day after. Like the next day. And uh, her mother, a.k.a. the chief of police. A.k.a. probably the worst cop in the world. Um, <laughs> like definitely the worst cop boss in the world, right? Well, she confronts her and is like, the she's, man who shot you got shot. She's the, like, I'm not stupid. Yeah, the guy you refused to ID a couple weeks ago and now he's dead and Anna Lu- he was shot in cold blood Anna Lucia's like oh wow what a tragedy oh no who could have foreseen this coming and uh, Anna Lucia's response is to basically quit the force well this is this is the thing is her mom wants her to fess up to it because she's like well the way this is this is a this is basically a cul-de-sac of a case like it's gonna go nowhere but if you did this, you need to own up to it so I can help you. Which I'm like, I don't know what she means by help know. you. Yeah, I mean, is she? Gonna, she's not going to turn of her like, daughter in. Is she talking about covering it up? Because again, Anna Lucia and Jack are very are parallels, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Christian Shepherd in this episode. And it's so interesting that again. Jack Shepard's father is the one that did something wrong, and it's Jack writing him out that sends, you know, that's the thing that Jack had to struggle with. And here, it's the other way around. It's Ana Lucia murdered somebody. Granted, he was an asshole, but she ultimately murdered somebody, and her mom is straight up offering, basically, the implication here is that her mom is offering to cover it up. Well, is it, does, is it, does it even need covering up? Because obviously, she... There's an investigation with or without uh, her confessing to her mother. I take it that, uh, and you brought up how what Jack did to his father was necessary, and even Christian yeah. kind of realizes that. When she says help, I don't necessarily think it's cover up the crime help. It's, I think it's, it's mental com- help. I oh. think it's you're dealing with stuff. You can't keep all this stuff bottled in like this because in the last time we saw her she was doing that she wasn't letting anything out she was being her Anna Lucia but the Anna Lucia we're we're, we're yeah. used to and 
I think the mother doesn't want to help like, uh, like a cop. I think the mother she, wants to she, be a mother. She's like, you. this guy nearly killed you. He made you lose your baby, and now you've killed him. And I imagine that any cop that's had to kill somebody knows what what the severity of having to take a life is. On top of that, this wasn't something that, like, that happened in, like, a gang firefight. Like, this was a vigilante murder. This was not something that a cop did in the line of duty. This was 100% revenge, which is not a cop thing to do. And so, yeah, her mom being like, let me help you, it could mean, it, it could very well mean, let me help you cover this up, or yeah, let me help you get the help that you need, yeah. or let me help you go about this in the and, right way, like come clean, and basically. the reason I feel like it's a <coughs> mother like helping a daughter, honestly comes down to the, the last conversation in this flashback, which we'll get to in a... In but a minute. but I, I again I just in terms of the parallels between the two of them and their parents, I think again it's just it's worth pointing out that that there is a parallel and kind of an inversion there, which is one of my favorite things about Anna Lucia as a character. Even though Jack is driving me crazy, um, it's one of my favorite things about Anna Lucia. Well, uh, Anna gets a job working airport security. TSA. It's, I kept thinking about Get Out when I saw her with the... <laughs> I'm T.S. motherfucking A. <laughs> and uh, she's at the airport bar having a drink, and who's who's sitting at that bar but our favorite uh, lost drunk, Christian Shepard. I completely forgot that this is how she ended up in Sydney. I'll, I'll be honest. So seeing him at the bar there, I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, man. this This guy. This guy. Look at this guy. So, she's there, and he starts striking up a conversation with her. That you at first think is like, he's hitting on her. I mean, and later in the episode, he does say, "You bet your sweet ass." <laughs> so he he does find her attractive. Yeah, but what it turns out is he's he's looking for a security guard, you know, bodyguard. It's funny because he's like, "This is a dangerous job, and I need somebody to keep me safe." like no you don't you fucking liar you need a designated driver (laughs) or maybe even just a drinking buddy yeah you know um because yeah so she agree i get why she agrees to go to sydney though yeah because she's got nothing to lose she don't like her new job and she's she's also look She's also, she's committed a capital crime. Yeah, why not get as far out of the country as possible? And this guy's gonna take her to uh, Sydney? Offering to pay her? Will probably buy her lots of drinks while she's there? I've never been to Australia. I wouldn't necessarily accept Christian Shepherd's offer to go, but, but if I found an opportunity to go on someone else's dime, I'd definitely be down. There's also, like, she's... Just stop being a cop. She's a disgraced cop. He's a disgraced doctor. Yeah, it's like, what do I got to lose? It's not like I've got anything else going on. It's not like I'm busy Thursday. But here's what's so funny about this. So let's just let's, let's just <laughs> knock all this out real fast. So they go to Australia, and we know she's in Australia because we see the opera house outside her hotel window. We know she took the gig. The Chroma Kita opera yeah. house. And it's like 3 in the morning, and he shows up. He's like, we got to go now. 
Andalusia. It's very much a Rick. <laughs> Morty, Morty. Andalu Anna, it is a Anna. <laughs> Anna, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go, Anna. This is really important, Anna. <laughs> and she points out, like, it's been four days of drinking, and now it's time to work in the middle oh, of the geez, night. Oh, jeez, Tom. Oh, jeez, Tom. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's right. He called her Sarah. She's Sarah. <laughs> which was, um, um, isn't Sarah... Jack's ex-wife's name? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, I wonder if that's why he picks it. He's just like, oh, you know, I, I lost... I believe it is. I didn't get to... Uh, my daughter-in-law's gone, because my son, he, he's a good man, but he couldn't keep his marriage together. <laughs> um, and now, I don't know how dangerous this work is. Like... What else oh, no. is this like man said, doing? He needs a designated driver. He doesn't need a bodyguard. He needs so a DD. He goes on. So is the idea that Christian was like, I want to confront this woman, Claire's mother, who is my who Now do we know this is Claire's mom specifically? You know what? Here's the thing. I was watching the episode and I was <laughs> like, oh, there's Claire's mom. And then later, I go, oh no, we've never met Claire's mom yet. We don't know her yet. Yeah. We don't know who, when he's yelling, my daughter, my I should see my daughter. We don't know it's Claire. No. I we mean, don't, we, can, we might be able to guess because it, we haven't seen Claire's parents and this woman is blonde and has curly hair. But, again, that means nothing. But it's so funny that while I was watching this, and this is the thing about, and this is the thing that, although maybe it's frustrating to the listeners sometimes, but where I'm having fun with this rewatch is I'm, like, I know, for, I know it's Claire's you're mom. You're looking for stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we haven't, we shouldn't know that yet. We just know that he clearly had a He a has a second daughter. family. Yeah. He has a second family. He straight up says, I want to see my daughter. I paid for this house. Like, he has an illegitimate child out there in Australia, and that this is something that we can assume Jack knows nothing about. And I, I don't think we've been given enough pieces here to really make the leap that it is Claire, the that only, he and Claire are brother and sister. You know, it's the kind of thing that, if this show <laughs> aired now, I think we'd get... I don't but know, people then, might people might have been guessing. Like people were speculating I'm like sure. mad about this. Because show. here's the thing. Um and maybe I, I can't remember what I knew and what I didn't know then, but there's only one Australian in the main cast. Yeah. Like there's only one. So if he's going there to meet his daughter, like if it's gonna be anyone we know, we know who it is. There's only one person it could be. And I mean it's one thing for Jack to not know, but if we're if we're sticking to the current format of the show, or we're sticking only to flashbacks, then if we were to meet her, it would have to be through another character's flashbacks, because Jack probably didn't meet her when he was in Australia picking up his dad's body. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, that, like, maybe that's something that they could have inserted there, uh, but... It's something where it's like, I'm glad I know it. I think it's cool that it's there. I wish the show had done something relevant with it. But I, I do well, I like think them. In the, well, I think in the later seasons, there's 
a lot of uh, guilt associated oh, with no. the fact that... No, no, I mean, like, in terms of, like, uh, I, I think it's really cool that, like, they're setting it up right now. I think it's it's a really cool and interesting way that they're setting it up right now. But, like, Jack and Claire, and, and we've talked about this before in Claire flashback episodes, but, like, Jack and Claire never have anything as brother well, and sister. Well, there's a, there's a whole season that doesn't even have Claire. Yeah, and, like, even if we if we do jump ahead to the finale, like, when everybody's together in heaven, like, I don't think they share any sort of significant moments with one another of, like, oh, we're family, and, like, it's sad that, like, we couldn't have enjoyed that more while we were both alive, but, like, hey, at least we're in heaven. Like, there's no beat that celebrates the fact that they are family. So... And there's no sorrow <clears throat> at the loss of what could have been. I don't know. That's just me. I have brothers, and I love them very much, and so I'm like, oh, look, a sibling storyline that they do nothing with. It's yeah, better than the look. last sto- sibling storyline, though. You know, <laughs> I... I was about to say, and maybe this is a stupid, crazy statement, but if I were to find out that I had a brother who lived on, or sister who lived on the other side of the world, I don't know if I can. (laughs) I I mean, you've lived most of your, but now here's the thing. Now, now, true, if they lived on the other side of the world, you've never known them, you never knew anything about them, and you would have to go out of your way to meet them. Okay, I get you being like, hey, they're living their life, I'm living mine. If you guys ended up in a plane crash together and ended up on a deserted island, and that person had a baby while they were there, like, the circumstances are completely different. That doesn't mean I'd want to, even even that, that doesn't mean I want to spend my eternity with them (laughs) in in quote-unquote heaven. Um, I have no interest in, like, let's say tomorrow... Like, my mom <laughs> said to me, like, I need to tell you, you were adopted, and you never did this for 40 years. You know what I would do? Cool. Nothing. <laughs> I would do nothing. I wouldn't be like, I need to find my book. Who cares? But that's like, just me. That's irrelevant to what I'm doing now. <laughs> People always say, like, oh, you ever want to do one of those 23 and me? No, nah, I don't care. I don't want to do this because I don't want a corporation owning my DNA. Yeah, and then it's gonna. Then we're back to our orphan black podcast. <laughs> yep, I've seen how this pans out. <laughs> um. So basically, he shows up drunk in the middle of the night, screaming, "Wants to see my daughter," and this woman is not having it. And it and is a good thing that Anna Lucia, Anna Lucia could have been his bodyguard because she pulls him away and she's like, what's wrong with you, you yeah. idiot? Yeah, and she is definitely not on Christian's side. No, she's like, you're a crazy person. And basically she pulls the car over and like, we got like, what was this? What's going on here? Um, and they have this conversation, which is like a lot, which is a real parent-child uh, thing, you know, where he talks about uh, how he can't ap- uh, apologize to Jack, and that he's basically thanked Jack for what he did by hating him, and it become and this idea that they're both, ru- she's running from something not too dissimilar to what he's running from, and this is really the impetus that gets her thinking about her mom and the life she left behind, you know. Um, 
ultimately without her finding out about what happens to Christian Shepherd too. Like, I don't think that she understands that the man who's standing in line in like, front of her no. at the airport, like, I don't think she has any understanding that that's the son of the man she was uh, driving around the last few days. So Christian, and I guess, I guess Anna stays in Sydney for quite some time, though, after, or at least a few days after, because it's long enough for Christian to drink himself to death and then Jack get down there to get them because they're online at the airport at later. At the same time. But, uh, but the, when she pulls the car over, they pull in front of a bar. And he's like, oh. I liked this. He's I like, like oh, uh, I forget the exact words he says, but uh, basically, like, kind of fate, like, look where we are. And she won't go have the drink with him. And he really would like her to because he needs that drinking buddy. He needs somebody to pontificate to. He needs somebody to and be around and, and listen behold, to his And who walks up? Well, <laughs> this person he'll run into later, but we see a great shot. Of when he goes to get out of the car. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. And it's Sawyer. <laughs> Sawyer banging into the car door. And later, he will run in. Him and Christian will be at that bar later. Uh, before Sawyer goes to kill the wrong man. I was going to say, is this... Since it's it looks like it's the middle of the day. Is this Sawyer, like, walking to that food truck... Being unable to pull the trigger on the guy, and then he's walking back in the early evening, and Christian Shepard's still there. 100% yes. That's the timeline I have sparsed out in my brain. Um, and then the next time we see Anne, she's at the airport. There's the classic scene where Jack's begging the... We I do see like it the again cuts. from another angle. I do angle. like the cuts to Jen. I do like... Um, and granted, it's... I think it's so interesting because it is one of the most powerful moments of the entire series. And so I don't know how I feel about the series constantly back. going back to it. I think here, like uh, with um, Sun and Jin, I think it worked. Um, and here I think it works too. Um, because ultimately what Anna ends up doing right afterwards. But for the, for the series as a whole, I don't know how I feel about them. You feel like it loses its power. A little bit. It's it's such a good, wonderful moment, though, and so I don't want it diluted. I don't know if we ever see it again. I hope not, because it's, again, it's such a highlight of the entire series that I don't want it, I don't want Law of Diminishing Returns, you know? Anna, uh, though, she's there in line, and then she goes, and she calls her mom, and she has this great conversation, it's so which good. kind of culminates in how you started this episode with how she... she Wants to come She's home. like, I just want to come home, mom. And it's, it's sincere. It's a great performance. And the mom it's says so she'll, sincere too. she'll be there at the airport waiting for. Him. And that makes the what happens in the next scene ultimately really tragic. So, it's perfect. It's it's really good. Let's get to the island here. Um, Anna, you know, Locke is uh, taking a nap. <laughs> Anna's decided she's going to question Ben. Well, she's uh, switching out his food because he's on a hunger Oh, yeah. Strike. I guess it's not real. Well, I mean, she's talking to him, though. Yeah. But it, part of the reason is that he's refusing to eat. So she's like, what's your end game here, man? And he's, he's talking. He's talking. He's talking like this. He's pulling, a, he's pulling an island ghost. Whisper, 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 whisper. And, and Anna will see his life. What, what do you say? What do you think? What do you think he's muttering under his breath? He's like, "Come closer." He's like, "Come on, I'm gonna come over here." 
What are you saying? What are you saying? I can't hear. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing to you in like two seconds. Actually, it's him practicing his... It won't be a thing for a while, but ASMR, he's like, I think Michael Emerson could actually probably be really good at he ASMR. He was, but you know what he was doing? He was doing the, um, he was telling, in the ASMR <laughs> voice, he's telling exactly how the series is going to end. <laughs> it's like, it's, I know they said that we're not going to do purgatory, but the series is going to end with purgatory. It's just, this isn't purgatory. Yeah, the audience is not the purgatory. There's going to be a sideways timeline. What was that? <laughs> gonna be, there's going to be a sideways timeline, and then, and then everybody's going to be, but you're not going to be there. You know why? What was that? <laughs> So, He's just dropping spoilers for the rest of the series. And so Anna gets closer to him and the he... The man in black is going to take over John Locke's body. What? But only after I kill John Locke, but not on the island. What about John? I'm going to kill him now. Tell him. What are you saying? I hope that the mics are picking up. I would watch an entire... Episode of Michael Emerson as Ben Linus just whispering upcoming spoilers for the rest of the show. Oh, is that one of the webisodes? Because I know the show had webisodes that they would do as like supplemental material. I would totally watch a webisode well, where Ben Linus just spoils the entire goddamn show. He then attacks her. And yeah. like he's got her good. And it's it's tense because like I know that, like, with Ethan, kind of the implication was that, like, he was weirdly superhumanly strong, and that that was kind of weird. I, I don't think we ever really got that impression from Goodwin, even though he did snap that guy's neck real good. Um, but, like, it's it's a reminder that we don't know what the others are capable of fully. And, and that, and you know, that also ties into, like, we don't know what they're capable of from a physical capacity as well. And this... Does not seem like the weakened man, Henry who's, Gale, that's been... Who's been starving himself. Like, it seems strong and deliberate and, and he's kind of and very unsettling. And, but it's also vengeful. He's yelling at her about how she's a killer because she did kill Goodwin. Like, you know, he's... 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 He's close to killing that, her. He's got her choked out. She's dead to rights. I was right. going to say, does that, com- does that conversation come later? Or is that like right before, right before this, where he's well, like, he, "You're the killer, Anna." Well, he do, he does call her <coughs> a, a a killer in this scene. Okay, and I think later he, he, he brings up Goodwin. Yes, later they talk about Goodwin, but he does call her a killer in his scene. He's like, "You're the killer, Anna Lucia," and, and she's like, "Yeah, it happens." <laughs> and yeah, she's killed a lot of people. Um, but Locke saves her. Locke hits him in the head Which, with a crutch. Not gonna lie, especially after like that that smug smile um, from the previous episode and how Locke has been kind of falling for it's his shit. It's really satisfying to see Locke hit him in the head with a crutch. It's pretty great. It's undermined later in the episode, but it's pretty great in this moment. So now, as per usual, Ana Lucia, one mind, one track mind, Ana Lucia is out for revenge. <laughs> well, I mean. She's fallen into bad habits. And Libby calls her on this immediately. Immediately. Aunt Lucia wants to get a hold of a gun. She wants some sort of revenge. And Libby immediately, like, is trying to talk some sense into her. But is it revenge or is it, like, straight up 
safety because like she's a trained professional and he almost got the better of her had Locke not been around to save her like he it's entirely possible he would have killed her right then and there yeah and but it's I clear mean, that they're he, not going to get any information but that's like saying uh so if a prisoner attacks a prison guard they should just kill the prisoner no. out of safety I mean but it's the same thing no, but this is also the same woman that's like digging a hole and these people aren't going to dig a hole. <laughs> They're not going to let her dig a hole to throw but this in. is this is why I've... <coughs> I'm going to get into some thoughts about Analysia later. But this is why I've always had that some difficulty with her. Because, you know, because she has a lot of... She has a lot of jack attitudes. Mm-hmm. Jacketudes. Is that a thing? That's not no, really a it's thing. not. A, that's not a thing. I tried to do something. But, <laughs> shepherdisms, but the, maybe. But the thing is, is shepherdisms? shepherdisms a better thing. Jackisms? No, I hate that. <laughs> um, but she. Um, but the difference between her and Jack is that she kills people. Yeah, a Jack attack is far less uh, effective. <laughs> so. Uh, Anna decides she's going to get a gun. You got to go to Source. You got to go to Sawyer. And of course, Sawyer. Um, Sawyer's, you know, his usual pissy Sawyer mood. And uh, <laughs> she even hits him with a crack. Hey, just because Jack's making time with your girlfriend. So it's like, and he's like, I'm going to be grumpy about that now. Um, so. <laughs> Like, oh, good day to you, madam. <laughs> now, while this is happening, there are some other things that mm. are going on, kind of on the... Uh, I was going to uh, say, do you want to jump around a bit? Yeah, I think we're going to have to, because everything kind of happens concurrently. I mean, the, the bulk of this episode's conversation is tied in with the ending, so it's okay yeah. to jump around, because like that's going to be the bulk of our conversation. While Anna's later. trying to get a gun, two other things are happening, and then we're going to... There's actually three other things are happening, but we're gonna <laughs> save. Going we're gonna save one of them for a little later. Um, others related, we have Jack and Kate are bringing Michael back to the hatch. Yeah. Uh, where Locke? Then there becomes this questioning of: Did they let him go? Yeah, because Locke's first question is like, "Oh, like they did? Like, are we gonna hold up our end of the bargain?" Because Jack straight up said that he wanted to make a trade, and he comes back with Michael. But Jack is also not convinced that the others had him. So, and Michael's kind of out of it. Yeah, he's un he's unconscious. Um, out of it. Yeah, that's a good. good <laughs> if I'm ever in a coma, just I want you to say like Will's just kind of a little out of it. He's just a little out of it this week, guys. That's why he couldn't record the podcast. Now, while this is uh, right before this, they bring him. Michael back. Locke actually has his own moment with Ben. Now Ben's like all like kind of hog tied up and everything. Gosh. This, I dislike that. I feel like this is a misstep in the episode because like again that moment where he cracks Henry over the head is so satisfying and then Henry just goes straight back to being able to manipulate and gaslight Locke. Well Locke has some questions for him. Um, and the biggest one being like oh you tried to kill Anna Lucia like why didn't you bash my head in when I was trapped. And Ben says, or Henry, we still, I, I, I'm just calling him Ben. Ben is but, fine. But he, he's like, you're one of the good ones. 
And I mean, this you is the liar. shit that and, you this, liar. But this is the shit that Locke loves to hear. And Locke, but oh no, Locke needs that validation. He needs to know that he's special. He needs to know that he's different. He needs to know that he's been chosen well, for a greater purpose. And Ben was coming for him, and he failed in his mission because the man in charge, a great, brilliant man, but not forgiven. <laughs> pat, pat, pat. That's that's Henry patting well, himself on the back. Yeah, I mean, because Ben is in charge of the others. <coughs> I mean, is not, he he's, is he talking about Jacob? I, I don't know. I don't think Jacob existed yet here. I mean, maybe he did, because like, well, you we don't, don't think know how there many, was a... We don't know how many... We don't know when the showrunners made the decision that Michael Emerson needed to stick around. So, yeah. I, I don't know if he's talking about Jacob in this moment or if he's just talking about himself. But I would assume that he's talking about himself because he's a narcissist and he's full of shit. Or, like, if Jacob didn't exist yet at this point, it could just be, you know, it's another lie. Ben's a compulsive liar and it's going to be so difficult later on in the show to parse out what he's saying because he lies so often and so casually. So while all this is going on, uh, Anna's got to get that gun. Annie, yep. get your gun. <laughs> and she sees Sawyer doing his usual carrying around mangoes. Yeah, he really likes those mangoes. Although, in the scene, he like takes a bite and then just throws one. I mean, this is also the same man that when he couldn't tear <laughs> apart the or the not-Oreos, would just throw them away. Sawyer is the worst person to have on this island, not because he's a manipulator and not because he's out for himself, even though he has a heart of gold, but it's because he's constantly wasting food. Sorry, we're running out of food. Like, stop <laughs> throwing the Oreos away. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you make me? Um, so, Anna's stalking him, and he knows it. He knows someone's stalking him. He's like, oh, and she wants that gun. Mm-hmm. So they fight. Because, like, he keeps a gun on his person, um, and he, when he recognizes that he's being followed, he's like, I'm not going to lead you to the rest of the guns. Like, that's not a thing that's happening. Well, they start, they start fighting they them. fight. And then they start and making they, out. And they start kissing. And then I go, how did someone get a hold of my fan fiction? <laughs> and, then they, and then they have sex. And <laughs> I'll say this. For like mid-2000s network TV, it's pretty, a pretty explicit. It's a pretty hot scene. It's Yeah, it's pretty... Um, oh, gosh. what's? I was thinking the word salacious, but I'm like, that's not the right word for this situation. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty explicit. It's pretty saucy. And I think it makes for, I think, I think it makes sense because ultimately we know, we, I, I figured Anna going into this kind of was using, she's like, if I can't just take it by force, I have other ways of being able to take it. So I figure she came into this knowing that she might have to use her sexuality to get what she wants. So this doesn't feel exploitative to me. And that's the, look, that's with Sawyer. Maybe that's what happens when you have female writers. So that it doesn't feel like a cheat when something like this happens. Yeah, because you know what, I was I was questioning the scene a little bit, like, and wondering how you felt about it because I didn't think it felt exploitive. But then again, also I'm like a guy, but it didn't feel that way to me, no. and it probably is because it's the same reason why um, did you see Hustlers? Yes, I did. And Hustlers, which I think is a very good film. Um, you know, there's some 
there's some sexy stripping scenes, but it doesn't feel, and it's just because it's done with the female gaze. And yeah. Even on a subconscious level, that that Hus- works for you. Hustlers is a fascinating movie, and just the story of how that movie got made is very interesting, too. Um, one, because it, you know, it is based off of a real story, and then two, um, obviously, they take some liberties uh, to... You know, they take some artistic liberties with that movie. But one thing that I think is kind of interesting is that when they were trying to get the movie made, when it was still in development, like something that a lot of male producers were trying to like push onto the movie was, well, if we're going to have women drugging men, the men have to be evil. Like they have to be straight up like rapists or or villainous in some other like huge capacity. And the female writers and directors were like, no, that's not what we're doing. That's so, I think it's very interesting that it's like, oh, well, if you're going to have women taking advantage of men, they have to be like a certain kind of evil. And that's not what that movie wanted to do. That wasn't the movie, that that wasn't the message the movie was, was going for. And so I think it's very interesting just listening to like, this is a man's perspective of like how to make this movie versus the female perspective of how to make this movie and like the difference in power dynamic and how each side views how women should be presented and portrayed and how men in in that situation should be presented and portrayed. So it's Hustlers is a fascinating movie to me. Um one I very much enjoyed. Uh and but it's funny too because like at no point are the, like, even though there are heroes, like, it's shown very, very vividly that what they're doing isn't okay, even if, like, they're doing no. it to not, to a lot of the guys that they're doing it to are jerks, or, like, a lot of the ones that they hit up are, like, you know, they can Just afford to lose that money. Just a jerk doesn't mean you could, uh... Oh, yeah, at no point is their thievery justified, um, but, like, but, again, it's just interesting between, like, the the male filmmaker's perspective of like oh well women are going to be taking advantage of men then it has to be presented like this versus like women going no that's not that's not the like that's not the movie we want to make that's not the story we want to tell so anna uh, is back in the hatch everyone's kind of in the hatch now lock covers for anna for him or is he covering for Ben yeah because he's very quick to be like oh my fault she slipped isn't that right Anna and it's like what's the intent here but here's the thing whatever the intent is Anna appreciates it so on some level I don't know that she does you don't think she does because the like I don't know because like the look that she gives him to me isn't one of like Woo, thing. it's quizzical. It's okay. it's more like, why are you... Like, it's it's I kind of it... like... It's more like she's like... She's going along with it. But to me, it's it's not so much a, hey, thanks for having my back on that one. Because if Jack found out that Henry tried to kill me, then all of a sudden Anna wouldn't be allowed in the hatch anymore because it's too dangerous. Or something like that. Like, it didn't... Yeah, but I think also Jack would do that. <laughs> of course he would. But to me, it didn't come off like 
Locke having her back, and she didn't read it as Locke doing her a favor. To me, it was more like, what's your game, Locke? Like, I'm going along with it because I ultimately can use this, but like... It, what's it your came, game, old man? Yeah, it was very much a what's your game, old man, because he's made it very clear he doesn't care about her or what she thinks. So the fact that he's like, quote-unquote, covering for her does it seems disingenuous. So, to me, I read it as her being like, what the hell? So, Michael wakes up, and he starts talk, telling his tale. We found, I found them. I walked down the beach where we, where we were before, and I found the others. It's like, they're all ratty. They live in tents. Living in, in canvas tents. They eat dried fish. He's like, they got it worse than us. And he's like, yeah, they don't have Dharma initiative drop boxes for some reason. It's like, a lot of them are old, half of them are women. We could take them, Jack. Yeah. Which sounds a mite suspicious. Now, I did want to ask... Especially was... since we know that part of this is clearly faking already. Yeah, because we saw that whole... We saw the fake beard. And we know that, like, Ethan... You know, can wear a but, fancy lab coat and get gets but, cleaned up real good. But the first time I saw this, I didn't think Michael was playing them. That was that was the thing I wanted to ask of like Michael's performance here reads pretty genuine. Yeah. So I'm like, what one? If you can remember the first time you saw this, did you buy what he was saying, or did you think he had been kind of duped? The first, well, I think I was assuming he was being duped. <laughs> I trusted Michael at this Which point. is what the episode is counting on, I yeah. think. Because we know Michael and we like Michael. But. <laughs> but we should. So, basically, Jack's like. Yeah. Like, well, we're gonna. We gotta get the guns. Yeah. We gotta get the guns. And we're gonna. Let's go talk to Sawyer. <laughs> because their plan is we're gonna we're gonna attack these people. We're gonna go get Walt back. Yeah, is the idea behind that. And like again, to their credit, the last like even though Kate and Claire found the the costumes sort of thing, the last time Jack saw the others, like it was under the cover of darkness, and like even though they were surrounded, he couldn't see what kind of people were hiding there in the jungle. So, like, Michael's story might seem a little bit more believable to Jack. Also, Jack wants to believe it. Of course. Of course Jack he does. He wants, wants to, to fix it. He wants to fix it. So he goes to Sawyer. Now, Sawyer's reading a manuscript. He's going to be the only one. I heard, I don't know if this is true, but, like, the the, the screenplay is Bad Twin, right? Yes. Or the manuscript the is manuscript's Bad, bad twin. twin. I heard... That the guy who wrote the manuscript was the guy that got sucked up in the turbine in the first episode. That, I believe, is correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of love that. Yeah. He he wrote this manuscript that only Soy will. And then... And then Jack being a monster. Let me tell you. Yeah. Honestly, this is the most monstrous thing Jack has done. Sawyer's got a this, few pages left. I think left. this hit close... Real close to home, really close to home for both of us because we we both love storytelling, obviously, and we both write. Obviously, you're a novelist. You're a published novelist. Thank you. Um, 
but like we've both done creative writing projects. Like I'm in the middle of doing some audio drama stuff right now. And so seeing Jack grab that manuscript and throw no it in. No one will ever know this no. man's work because he's dead. Jack. <laughs> Fuck off. Like he could have just threatened to burn him. He could have just held on to him. Instead, he immediately burned him. So he'll never know. No. Sir, who's a voracious reader, he never know. This guy's legacy. This is all that le that's left of that guy who got sucked up in the turbine. So, oh, man. Like, Jack, how would you like it if someone took your life's work and threw it in the fire? So Sawyer is pissed. Jack pulls a gun on him. Yeah. Because he's got the gun from when they went out to... Making the thing with the fire completely unnecessary. He could have just pulled the gun on him. Well, so why was there this fire in the middle of the day? Uh, I mean, maybe they just always like to keep the fire lit. Maybe it was an unusually cool day. Okay. Arntz did say that, you know, typhoon season or whatever was coming up. So maybe it was just, maybe it looked chillier on the beach <laughs> than it actually was. So Sawyer gets up and Sawyer's gonna pull his gun on Jack and the Invisible. Maybe they also found marshmallows in that <laughs> latest drop, and so Sawyer was gonna make some s'mores. Sawyer would do that. <laughs> he would make one s'more and then throw he'd the bag away. <laughs> he'd be upset with the way the s'more came out. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's too gooey. Oh, this one's too burnt, and he'd just keep throwing away marshmallows. So Sawyer goes to pull a gun on Jack. Guess what? Sawyer don't got no gun. How did he not realize this? So he should have realized it immediately. Sawyer's been really a little dumb lately. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm he... gonna I'm gonna write it off to his feelings of alienation. Well, it's funny because Sawyer often uses his sexuality to take advantage of people. He uses his sexuality to seduce people and con them out of their money. So I think that since that's a tactic he's used to using, one would think that he'd be able to recognize it when somebody else was using it on him, but maybe he's just so overconfident and arrogant and cocky that he's like, oh, I know that game, no one would ever use it on me. I know. But, like, it doesn't matter. Pulling up his pants, he'd know that his gun wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So, like, this is a... I mean, it must have been good if it wasn't even on his mind. <laughs> it must have been really good yeah. sex if he just walked back to the beach with a big old smile going, that was fun. So, he realizes Anna stole it and then Locke's like, oh shit, Jack, I should probably tell you something. <laughs> you know how we keep saying we're going to be honest with each other and then we both keep not doing that thing? I did it again. <laughs> so, Anna... Stole the gun, and she walks in there to where Ben's tied up, and she throws him a knife to cut himself loose. And he's like, "Why?" She's like, "You know why?" Because she does. She doesn't want him. She's not gonna. She's not gonna shoot him all tied up. Yeah. And she's just waiting for him to. Come. And he starts talking about Goodwin. Now. Yeah. And he said, "You know, Goodwin said." Uh, you were misunderstood, which is the way a lot of Lost fans feel about Anna Lucia. That's the way like, I feel about her. Like you were, yeah. So you side with Goodwin. You side with the <laughs> no, others. 
No, I, I, Ben I, is goddamn lying because he's like Goodwin's a good person. When Goodwin snapped, what was that guy's name? Nathan. Yeah. He snapped Nathan's neck without hesitation, and Anna is absolutely right when she says he was trying to kill me. And Ben gaslights her and goes, "Was he now? No, of course he was trying to murder her." But it also the jig was up. is playing into whether Ben knows all this or not. Her background yeah, and what she has done. Regardless of what he's actually saying, Ben Linus, to his credit, can pick up on someone's insecurities because he's a sociopath. And, and Anna can't do it. And the next time we see her, she's sitting on a couch there. She just she can't do it. She's done. She's done with this. She's done with killing. Because she's a good person deep down. Well, we're going to get to that. <laughs> Um, Unlike what Ben says, she is a good person deep down, riddled with guilt. So, Michael's there, and Michael's like, what's going on? What's going on? on? Hey, and how's it going, Anna? she tells him, like, I can't do this anymore. And Michael's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now... They took my boy. Yeah. Of course I'll do it. Now, here's the thing that's a little bullshitty about uh, Anna Lucia in this moment. Well, she's still killing him by handing Michael the gun. It's a lot easier to hand it off than it is to actually pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. And but, if it's something that she genuinely feels needs to be done, because this doesn't seem like, again, even though he tried to kill her, oddly enough, it doesn't seem like... I know you're like Anna's in vigilante mode. It doesn't feel like that to me. Well, at this, this moment she is. This, this feels, moment is very... No, no I, I, earlier even, in the episode, to me, she is. Throughout the entire episode, I don't see that same righteous oh. fire that she's when, ha- she had earlier in the season. Oh. And I don't see that same righteous fire that she had when she was going to execute that guy. The way she's trying to get... The, I mean, she's stopping and nothing to get a gun. Libby sees it in her... I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it that way. I see it more like this is Anna going, this is what has to happen, as opposed to this guy did something to me and I'm going to get him for it. It, it. The performance reads completely differently to me. See, I, I, in this moment, I'm with you. It's a different Anna Lucia. You don't and see that in the come, rest of the episode? N- I see it getting that towards that throughout the episode. But at the beginning of the episode, when she's on the beach, when she's trying to get that gun, me, it's a lot see, of the same. I, and I, I think oh, we ahead, see the change happen to her on the island at the same time we see the change happen to her in the flashback. And the point she's at at the end of this episode on the island is equal to the point she was at the end of her flashback. And if she had been able to get home, she would have been... Uh, uh, she would have dealt with these issues more. She was at a place, but she landed on an island and she went right back into like the well. The, they the, they the, went the, into the immediate. Mode. They went into immediate survival yeah, mode because exactly it was an emergency situation, and then they almost immediately got attacked. So of course she went into like on a righteous fire, and kids got kidnapped. And Anna Lucia, obviously, that's a sore spot for her. For for me though, looking at her in this episode. I don't see that same righteous fire that, or self-righteous fire that you see earlier this season that you see in her flashback when she executes the man that um, almost killed her. 
I don't see that. For me, looking at her in this episode, Ben tries to kill her, and then with the exception of, like, fighting Sawyer, to me, all of her actions read as very, very dispassionate. It's, this is what has to happen, as opposed to, that motherfucker. It, it reads completely differently to me. But, that again, art is subjective. The, you know, what I see is different than what you see. But that, to me, in like, that's not to say that um, Michelle Rodriguez is giving a boring performance, oh, no. either. I think she's remarkable in this episode. So, she gives Michael the gun, and Michael's suddenly standing there acting a little weird. For a moment, that goes on for a very long and he's, time. And in a, in a very interesting shot, he's just looking down at the gun, and it's the camera's basically like on the ground almost, looking up at him and seeing the gun in his hands. Because he knows what he has to do, and he doesn't want to do this thing that he has to do. And he's weighing the fact that he wants... Getting his son back is the most important thing. And he's got to free Ben Linus to do this. So he says... We don't know that yet. We, don't we know, know that something's yet. up. Yeah, but we know that... We, we don't know that in this moment, but that's like... But like with cause, the knowledge... Because I, I think uh, like what the, the show is playing with is the audience expectation is that like now that he's been handed the gun, he's like, oh, well, I thought I could kill Ben, but... I guess now that the gun is actually in my hand, I, I, I'm struggling with that. Like, I didn't think you'd give me the gun. And then, uh, and I don't know what his plan was if she didn't give him a gun. I mean, probably just wait for an opportune moment. But in order to free Ben, he has to make it look like... Like Ben did it. Yeah. Which is how the, the episode wraps up. So he says, I'm sorry. And he shoots Anna Lucia. In the stomach. And it does not take her long to die. Like, it is it is very abrupt. You know, she, she sees that he shot her, and then very, very quick, like, she doesn't get really any last words. There's not like, how could you do this, or traitor, or anything like that. It's just, she just, like, falls over and dies. Now, while all this is going on, a <laughs> picnic is being planned. Uh, yeah. You ever want to know how to how to plan a date on an island, hit up Saeed, because even though he's in mourning right now, and a torturer, and definitely a murderer, he's also a romantic. Hurley goes to Saeed, he asks for the radio. He said, because even if it's just static, he wants to hold it above his head like and he say wants anything. To be, he wants Libby to say, it. it's the thought that counts. Yeah. <laughs> Which he, I think is really cute. And Saeed has never seen say anything. And Which I wouldn't imagine would be a big film in Iraq. But I, I also love how excited Hurley gets, like, basically explaining the movie to him. And, again, Saeed, even though, like, I have so many mixed feelings about his relationship with Shannon, um, I do love that he can recognize when someone's spitting. And even though he's still mourning Shannon's loss, he can also be, he can also appreciate... Like, aw, Hurley's got a thing for her. That's really cute. Saeed has given he's, him some... He's probably been the best wingman Hurley's had on the entire island. And he says, hey, you want to take Libby on a date? Like, there's this great beach. There's this great... It's like, a beautiful, basically kind of secret beach. Yeah. Not that Hurley's able to find <laughs> it. <laughs> so, Hurley's there, then he's... 
get getting some food. food. And he, he's like, oh, I'm busted. Because Libby's right there. And Libby's he's not like, very right, stealthy. Right, right. You could, and Libby's like, not policing what he's doing. No, no, I wanted to, like, that we go on this, this picnic thing. I liked this scene. It was very cute. And they're walking through the jungle... And uh, <laughs> she she references uh, the Flintstones. How you always see the same thing in the background over like and over. In Hanna Barbera cartoons, yeah. yeah. And Hurley has a slip of like oh, I used to watch in the hospital when I had my hip replaced or something. <laughs> and we're like, okay. And she's like, well, we've walked past this tree like three times. <laughs> and Hurley's like, no, no, it's right. Ah, it's this way. And they come through a clearing. She he goes here. It is secret beach. It's not the secret beach. She like, this is our beach. And in the funniest <laughs> shot, the way, because as Hurley's saying, like, no, 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 this is this is a different beach. And the camera pans around them to reveal Jin is there. And she goes, Jin's right over there. <laughs> and he's, like, on his fishing net and everything like that. He's just minding she's his like, own business. This is our beach. There's Jin. And he's just there. He's like, hi, Jin. <laughs> And she's like, she's like, we're going to make the best of this. Like, like, uh, you got any, yeah, she's where's like, the blankets? Where's the blankets? We'll go ahead and just have the picnic here. And he's like, oh, blankets? Hurley, I mean, come on. It's a picnic. He didn't have to think to get a blanket. She goes, okay, well, what do you got to drink? He goes, oh. And she's like, okay, you get some wine. I saw uh, Rose and Bernard had some wine. You get some Dharma wine. I'm going to go to the hatch get this blanket. Point of order. I feel like there would have been plenty of blankets on the beach. That's where people were living and sleeping. No, those are people's blankets. <laughs> Maybe they don't want Hurley and Libby to be getting it on in that blanket. <laughs> she wanted clean blankets. Yeah. That then you could immediately take back to wash. And there's no reason not to go to the hatch. To get I'm just blanket. saying that like it would have been a shorter walk. Well, I'm also saying that if Hurley knew what a fucking picnic was, <laughs> Libby might still be alive. I think he was just so excited and ecstatic that she said yes to an official that date. Yeah. That, like, like he was in the middle of prepping for it when she busted him. And then, like, she said yes, and I think he was like, all right, let's oh, go let's now. let's go right let's now. Go yeah, now. Yeah, no, I didn't get anything. Um, so, Michael shoots Anna Lucia, and he's all, like, he's a little... Frazzled, and it is so. a it is a tense moment, devoid of music, and it's just him breathing hard and shaking. And Libby walks in, Michael, and he spins around and shoots her twice in the gut. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Although the way the performance is given, I mean. Look, he was going to have to kill her. She saw what he did. Or she would have figured out what he did. He's standing there with a gun and we'll see is there. But it's done like... Ah! Like he's so surprised... Is he so surprised by... Like he almost... I think he's scared. Yeah. Because there's somebody. that look of... I didn't mean to shoot this person now too. But yeah, it I was, guess I had to shoot this person. The performance indicates that it was a panicked... Like it was almost like a reflex... Um, because he, he's coursing with adrenaline, he's shaking, he just killed Anna, and, like, he's processing that, 
and his thoughts get interrupted, and he just swings around and pulls the trigger twice. I think before he even has before he even still. before he even registers who's actually standing there in the hallway. And now, it's over. Poor Libby is dead without ever getting a flashback. Even. Boo. I'm just gonna do this for the well, rest of the episode. Well, don't because we got more to talk about. But <laughs> um, and then he goes to free. He goes in. Opens up the door. Opens up the door. They stand face to face without saying a word. He then points the gun at his shoulder and pulls the trigger. Yeah, and then. The lost logo comes up, but no sound. Nope. Is usually Which I think is a good touch. It's like, it reminds me of on 24, whenever a major character died at the end of the episode, the ticking clock would be silent. The, uh, anytime the, the lost, you know, logo comes up and something different happens, it's kind of worth, it's kind of worth noting. Um, like later on, we'll have a fade to white instead of a fade to black. Um, and I think this moment, not having the sound effect after the gunshot is the best way it could have wrapped up. Uh, but there was a deleted scene. This was wasn't there? supposed to be the last scene of the episode. Really? How was it supposed to wrap up? Do you want to you want to feel sad? Yes. The last scene of the episode was supposed to be a cut back to Hurley sitting on the beach waiting for Libby. Why did it get cut? I think this is probably more powerful, more dramatic, and more cliffhangery. And okay. I mean, we get the... I mean... That's true. Like, even though but, that's sad... But that's, that's sad. Even though that's sad, this is shocking I think, yeah, this is shocking and stronger. The Hurley scene is sadder, and I think you have to go lean into shocking for this. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty great episode. This episode, I, I was telling my, my roommate about it when I got done watching it last night. This episode is lost in a nutshell. It's excellent performance, a lot of really wonderful ideas, um, really, really great filmmaking and music choices, and there's a lot going on. Some good humor, even. Yeah, some good humor, even, and it has a shitty ending. The, the, but shitty. This is lost in a nutshell. Shitty, what, like what? It's it's shitty because because specifically because of Libby. Okay. Um, and this is where we should probably start talking about some speculation into what went into this this decision, because the the season basically started off with a shocking death of Shannon. You know, that, that was a very shocking, like, this character just got her flashback episode. She's, we're just now really getting to know her, and uh, her death was very much the rug getting pulled out from under us. So it's very, it would, it's very easy, I think, for people who really dug this ending to say it was the same with Libby. However, like, we, and we talked about this, um, you know, with the episode Dave, they were just starting to establish not just character for Libby, because they had been establishing her character all season. They were establishing a mystery with her. Yes. And so there was a lot, because of the DUI situation that we talked about at the top of the episode, there was a lot of controversy behind this episode um, about whether or not these two actresses had been kicked off the show because of those DUIs. Now, I think we, in our research, discovered that the idea with 
Ana Lucia, we talked about this earlier in the season, that apparently Michelle Rodriguez wasn't planning on sticking around. What, um, what kind of also tied into the episode, like, leading up to it, was that there were a lot of rumors going around that she was difficult to work with. I don't buy those rumors, and the showrunners were pretty quick to dispel them. Well, you know what, yeah. also, it's, it's funny in the post-Harvey Weinstein era, you realize a lot of these people like, who were difficult, difficult to, to work, work with, with were really just women who said no. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know. We're not like making said, any accusations no, against yeah, yeah, anybody yeah, yeah, at no, ABC. No, 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 obviously. But, but uh, like, it. So whenever I th- hear that now, I think, like, there's unless some, I, unless, like, I know something specifically, like, personal like from somebody I've gotten, like, Unless you had a first-hand account of somebody, yeah. like, throwing wine bottles up against the wall or something like that. Um, when you hear difficult to work with, you should maybe take it with a grain of salt of, like, oh, well, again, does that mean that this person's self-absorbed and a narcissist? Or does it mean that, like, somebody up top tried to take advantage of them and couldn't get away well, with it? Well, I mean, in but all no. fairness, they are actors. Yeah. <laughs> Self-absorbed now, and a narcissist. But, no. And, and, no, yeah, but no, kidding, again, the showrunners were very, very quick to dispel that rumor. And apparently, Michelle Rodriguez had been like, I'm interested for sure, but maybe only for a year. And so, this is where, again, there's a lot of speculation about whether or not um, this was the ending that was originally planned for her or not. And especially given that audience reactions to Ana Lucia were very negative. So a lot of people maybe thought that this was course correction. I disagree with that. I actually do think that this that this exit for Ana Lucia was planned. And by the way, if you're the way her flashback ends, it, it that's the kind of episode. Why well, not that you couldn't write that after the fact? But her story arc, in she's she's changed at the yeah. end of this. No, her character arc is complete. This is a sad, it's shocking and sad that for people like, for the people in the minority like me no. who liked her, it's sad that we didn't get to see her stick mm. around, but her story arc was complete. Libby doesn't have a character arc at this point. No. And that's the problem is like, again, there's all, all these rumors going around about whether or not the DUIs or whether or not act, the actors were difficult to work with. One of the things I read on Wikipedia, so again, take this with a grain of salt, is that fan reaction to Anna Lucia had been really negative. So, again, this is Wikipedia. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt, uh, because we all know how reliable Wikipedia is. But one of the things that they said was that they were afraid that Anna Lucia's death wouldn't hit the right emotional punch. So they threw Libby in there, too. Now, to me, that is a huge misstep. Because, again, they were just setting Libby up for a mystery. We were, like, they, they threw Libby in there because the audience liked her a lot more than they liked Anna Lucia. So they arbitrarily threw her in there. And it's hard to tell whether or not that was a network call because she got a DUI. Or if that was the showrunners arbitrarily deciding, well, this isn't sad enough, we'll kill Libby too. And either way, it doesn't look good for the show, in my opinion, because either it means network executives don't care what the showrunners ultimately had planned for this character. They're like, whatever, we don't care. 
you know, get rid of her. Or it's, it's showing that the showrunners, and I think we'll see this more and more as things go on, weren't really planning things out. They were, they were willing to very quickly abandon something that they were setting up they were so quick to abandon it. Like, it didn't matter to them. So to me, this reads as, well, the showrunners don't actually care about the mystery. Not to put words in your mouth, but is this your man in black? Of course it is. Of course it's my man in black. Killing Livy is such a huge misstep, and it's a huge red flag to the audience because it's something that rings remarkably false in hindsight. But once again, much like the Walt thing, much like next season when we get to the death of Mr. Echo, we don't know how much of this is the responsibility of the creators of the show. Yeah. Like, for example, and we're going to get to this next season, when Mr. Echo dies, that wasn't the call of the creator's show, that was the call of the actor. Well... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that when, when we get to it, because he didn't want to live in Hawaii anymore. Like me. <laughs> um, but something, something to point out here is that I, and again, this is hugely speculative on my part, it wouldn't surprise me if this was a network call and not a showrunner call, because it doesn't seem like this was personal at all, because the showrunners actually did help her get a spot on a pilot that, you know, on an ABC pilot that just didn't end up getting picked up. So it seemed like there was no hard feelings and that they actually felt bad about ousting her. Yeah. So to me, this reads as this was something they were told to do and they felt bad about it, but couldn't actually say that they were told to do it. So I don't know. They either, like I said, they either arbitrarily decided that Libby needed to die to make the episode more sad, or, or they were told to and just, like, had to kind of work with the cards that they were dealt. I, I, again, in either scenario, I don't think it looks particularly good for the show. It just, it reads to me as something that, like, was planned at the last minute, and so to me it comes off as very sloppy. So, if that's your man in black... What's my man in white? What's your Jacob? Um, and like, again, I kind of assumed that we both had the same man in black for this well, episode, I'm, I'm but maybe I'm you gonna got something... I'm going to tweak my... my, my Would you well, have you'll picked see, the same you'll, thing? You'll see what I'm going to do. Would you have picked the same thing, though, had I not already picked it? Um, I was debating between that and the thing I'm going to say, but the thing okay. I'm going to say is similar. Okay. Um, my man in white... Honestly, there's a... Like you said, this is actually a pretty great episode. Like I said, this episode is lost in a nutshell. It's great up until the end, man. <laughs> yeah. um, but my my man in white, there are a lot. Of, so there are a lot of good options. I love the parallelisms between again the yin and yang thing with her and Jack. I really love that. There are some great performances. I'm gonna give it to the scene in the airport when she calls her mom because that to me was the most emotionally hard hitting thing. And it is the perfect button um, right before the end of her character arc. So, my Jacob and my man in black are both Anna Lucia. Nice. Because this is the most I liked Anna Lucia. Um, 
this kind is of where like we with Shannon. We see her at her most vulnerable. We see her. We see the count. We see the the likability that maybe I don't see, but you see as someone who likes her below the surface and I have trouble seeing, you see it all come out. And like I said, I like how it comes out parallel in both the island and in the flashback the at virtually the same. Even though we were a little bit all over the place, the structure of this episode is really good. Yeah, it, it comes out almost at the exact same time. So, I... It's my Jacob because... You got me, Anna. I liked you at the end. And it's my man in black because why couldn't this I, sooner? I like you and now you're gone for almost ever. Now, again, I have a lot of problems with the way Shannon left the show. But again, to this show's credit, as far as Anna Lucia goes, not Libby, as far as Anna Lucia goes, it actually is kind of fitting from a structural standpoint that this is the way she meets her end because... Shannon's death was an accidental shooting, and she has to carry that guilt with her throughout the rest of the season. And so the fact that Anna is killed because somebody deliberately shoots her. And also, just when she's working through it all. Exactly. Just uh, when it, she's working through it all, and just when we as an audience are really understanding her vulnerability as a character. You know what show does this all the time, The Walking Dead? If there's ever an episode where a character's finally get getting attached. through that shit they're working through, mm-hmm. like, it's like, oh, they're finally dealing with his post-traumatic stress syndrome. Oh, and, and he's now he's dead. dead. Um, uh, it, it does that, and this is a classic example of that kind of, of thing in and, this show. And I give Lost credit for it, because, like, again, we... It's kind of predictable now, especially with something like The Walking Dead, because The Walking Dead did it a lot. I stopped watching The Walking Dead, but The Walking Dead did it a lot, and I feel like they were effective at it early on, and now it's just kind of, it's a little tedious. Um, But Lost, to its credit, this was still a very novel thing to do, was to kill somebody just as we were getting to know them and understand their journey. Well, you know, this is the kind of thing that TV shows didn't do. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that network... This stuff was happening at this point on uh, premium cable. Like, The Sopranos would kill off characters like this. Like, you would see something like this on HBO, not on ABC. And now... And this is with this, and I would also say 24, network shows. And it got to the point with TV where every show, even if it wasn't a show with killing in it, got to the point, like, are people going to die? Like, I remember, uh, I was a big fan of the show Mad Men. Mad Men's not a show. I mean, there were people who died Mad Men's on not the a show. show. <laughs> Mad, 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 Mad Men's not a show. I was Mad, a big fan of the show. Mad Men's not a show. Mad Men's not a show where people would, like, people would die, but nobody was, like, really die. It's not a show that you watch and I be mean, like, is Peggy going to get murdered it, this They week? work in an ad agency. They're not, yeah. like... They're but, not working with the but, mob or but whatever. But because shows like The Sopranos and like Breaking Bad and network shows like 24 and Lost, like having a decade of those, get, getting towards the end of Mad Men, it's like, are people going to die? Mm-hmm. Like, of course not. Why would they? Mm-hmm. But you're watching it with the thing in the back of your head because TV around this time started to condition us to feel a little differently about characters and believe that characters can go yeah. in any minute. Um, same with, you know, first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, same thing. Uh, uh, and so, The Walking Dead. So <laughs> to, to lost credit, again, they were pulling this trick... And I, I, I don't mean to diminish the show when I say that, but they, they were pulling were pioneers. This, they were pulling this trick when not very many people were. So, again, to their credit, it works. I just wish they hadn't killed Libby too and ruined it because killing Anna was the perfect way to end this episode. It was a really good way to end her character arc. It was, it was fitting, and you could tell that's sort of what they... Maybe if that, that's not necessarily what they had planned for Anna Lucia at the very start, when they initially introduced her, um, you know, at the end of season one. But it's something that when Michelle Rodriguez said she was only interested in sticking around for a year, that they went, okay, they, you can probably tell that, like, it didn't take them long to go, okay, let's start thinking about how we want to wrap up that character's story then. All right, well, on that note, uh, Megan, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on Twitter at <laughs> the Real Will Link. And um, buy your book. Yeah, buy my book. Why not? My book, Crazy by Kurt. Buy it. It's a good book. Uh, uh, I forgot to give a, a plug. Uh, right now, I'm uh, doing Rooster Team Radio. We're right in the middle of our Ruby recap. Uh, Ruby Redux, so check that out every week. And also I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams. Go check that out. Me and my roommate talk about horror things. It's fun. And until next time. Oh, follow us at No Love Lost Pod. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and until next time. <laughs> see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>